Well, good morning. It is a joy to be here uh, with the Hacienda family and to be able to worship uh, our Father together, to be able to open up God's Word in uh, reading the Scriptures, praying the Scriptures, seeing the Scriptures, uh, and now uh, having to hear uh, the Scriptures preached. Um, it's a joy to see uh, this church continue to grow. We, our family continues to pray for you guys regularly. Uh, it's for you guys to continue to love the gospel. Um, and I know um, I'm so thankful for Brother Jeremy to be able to preach through the Word of God expositionally and through books of the Bible. And so um, when I asked him um, what to preach on, there's, there's just a, a burden on my heart to do a little more topical thing briefly, just to really unpack the gospel really deeply. Um, and not just for us to think through the gospel as sort of this message, but to really think through, hey, what does the gospel do in our lives as it creates a new identity for all of us as God's people? And so I just want to think through just practically what does it mean to live out the gospel in day-to-day life. And so uh, I believe, Lord willing, I'll be doing three sermons the next month or so. Uh, and and the, the series will be called Our Gospel Identity as a Family of Servant Missionaries. That's who we are in the gospel. And so each time we'll look at each component of that. Uh, before we jump in, let me uh, open up in a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gospel. God, it is all by grace that we receive such good news that Jesus Christ will live the perfect life we didn't and then die on the cross the death we deserved and then resurrect in victory, giving us new life and a new identity. God, we ask that your Spirit would help us, under, help us to know what it looks like to live out the gospel in day-to-day life so that you would get all the glory. We pray for this time we entrust it to you. We can do nothing apart from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to begin, just want to think of uh, this question. When you think of the power of a true, thriving family, what do you think of? When you think of the phrase, because we are family, or, be, or because that's what family does, what are the, sort of the myriads of things that you sort of expect or imagine happening? Well, listen to what one man says as he reflects on the life and love of his own parents. He says, they always worked hard. They always provided. They were ex- always extremely active, engaged, involved in our lives. When my elderly grandmothers were ill in the years preceding their deaths, I watched my mom and dad care for them tirelessly and sacrifice for them. Why? Because that's what family does. When I lay in a coma suspended between life and death four years ago and then spent four months as an invalid, they never left my side. They laid down their own lives and needs to nurture my health back and take care of my family. Why? Well, because that's what family does. When they became grandparents of a child with autism and cerebral palsy, they didn't treat him or love him any less or any differently than the other grandchildren. Why? Because that's what family does. Similarly, many times when I think of what family does, simply because we are family, my mind drifts to stories of war. In the military, your comrade-in-arms are much more than just a fellow warrior. They are family. 
Right? So we hear stories, we watch movies of people in the military who jump on grenades or step in front of guns. For a fellow soldier, when they're asking me, why did you do that? They say, well, because we are family. Right? Truly, the power of a thriving family is great. The power of a true, thriving family overcomes great odds, conquers big challenges, and willingly makes tough sacrifices. So with the power of a true, thriving family in mind, the question before us today is this. If we are professing Christians, is this how we view the local church of God? Do we view the local church of God as a family? As a family where together we can overcome great odds. We can conquer big challenges. We can willingly make tough sacrifices. And when asked why, we answer it because we are family. And that's who we are. That's who we are in our new gospel identity in Jesus Christ. So the main call for us today from Scripture that I hope to show is for us to live out our gospel identity as family. To live out our gospel identity as family. And to help us, we're going to ask four questions that will form the outline for the rest of this sermon. First, who are we? Who are we? Then second, what do we then do? Third, why is it so hard? And then fourth, why is it so worth it? So first, who are we? Who are we? Well, the only way to sufficiently answer this question with authority, right, is to look to the God who created us, the God who reveals his word to us that gives us the answer. And so here's some pertinent passages. There's so many more, but here's some of them. John 1, 12 and 13. We read, To all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we all cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Then Ephesians 1, 5, we read, In love, he, God, predestined us for adoption as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. 1 Timothy 5, 1-2, we read, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers. Older women as mothers. Younger women as sisters in all purity. Right, if we have more time, we can look at many more verses. Times the writers of the New Testament addressed even other Christians as brothers. Right? Brethren. So all in all, Christian brothers and sisters, Scripture is clear regarding one aspect of our new gospel identity in Christ. Right, so individually, all Christians are adopted sons or daughters of God. Right, we are adopted children of God, individually. So therefore, corporately, together we are one family. 
And we are the family of God. We are placed together in one family through the shed blood of Jesus. Okay, so now that we know who we are in Christ, in our new gospel identity, the second question naturally follows. Right? What do we then do? How are we then to live knowing our new gospel identity as family? Well, let's, let me ask you this. When you think of your ideal picture, now your ideal picture of what a family does in regular day-to-day life, I mean, what comes to your mind? An ideal family. So I ask what your ideal picture is, because sadly, I know that in this fallen and broken world, the family unit, right, where the, where the pinnacle of earthly love ought to be experienced, it is also often the place where great pain, hurt, abuse, and abandonment and suffering is experienced instead. And so friend, if, if you're here and that has been your experience with your family, then right from the start, what I want to say is, I'm sorry. Right? Because you and I, we both know that what you experience, that is definitely not what a family should be like, according to God's design. And friend, what I also want to say before we continue is that if you are still feeling the painful suffering effects of growing up in a broken family. Please don't just keep it to yourself. I know, knowing the leaders of this church, I know that the leaders in this church will be happy to meet with you and also cry with you and then help you heal through the only one who gives healing. And that's Jesus Christ. Because we want you to truly heal Through Jesus Christ, because our identity as one family of God, it's one that is crystal clear in the scriptures. And it's one aspect of our new identity through Jesus that is designed not to bring up painful memories, but it's designed to be sweet, it's designed to be comforting, and it's designed to be joy-giving. And so knowing this fallen world, my prayer is that as we move on and thinking through about what a family is and what a family does, that through the healing power of Jesus, you would joyfully embrace this aspect of your identity and join this church in seeking to increasingly live as the family of God. So once again, question for us to think about. When you think of your ideal picture, your ideal picture, whether through positive experience negative contrast or a combination of both. When you think of your ideal picture, what a family does in regular day-to-day life, what comes to your mind? I did some brainstorming with a group of people in my church regarding this question. Here's some things we came up with. Family eats together, right? As much as possible. Not just physically in the same house, right? But also relationally. It's not just eating in their rooms or around the television, No, family actually eats together at the same table, right, with conversations as much as possible. Family also has fun together, right, plays together. Family also prays together. Family talks together. Family studies the Bible together. Families share burdens with one another, right, with members helping to carry the burdens of others. In essence, family shares life together and is marked with deep, genuine, unconditional love. 
Now, these are some of the answers uh, they came up with. But as Christians, right, we're not just dependent on our own opinions, right? We are dependent on God's word for all of life, right? So the very pertinent question that we must answer is, what do we find these elements of family life in the scriptures? And with that said, as we look into God's word, what is amazing is that what our hearts yearn for in a human family is what we see experienced and lived out in God's spiritual family. Okay, so for example, Acts 2, 42 to 47. If you want, you can turn there. This is one of the longer passages. But the book of Acts is essentially God's account of the growth and exponential expansion of his adopted family in and through Christ. So a good question to ask as you read through Acts is, what did all the new Christians and the new followers of Jesus Christ do once they became part of God's spiritual family? Right, so Acts 2, 42 through 47. The word of the Lord says this, And they, this new family, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so from this passage, brothers and sisters, what did the new Christians, what did the new followers of Jesus Christ do once they became part of God's family? Well, answer, I think they they lived out their new gospel identity in the local church. So it was added to their number. There's this identifiable body. Okay, they lived out their new gospel identity in the local church, who was their new family in Christ. As we see, in this new family, they ate together. Right? In, In this passage, twice it is mentioned that they broke bread together. And in context, not just talking about communion, the Lord's Supper, but actually physically partaking in meals together. Well, what else? As family, they not only ate together, they also prayed together, as verse 42 tells us. They also focused on the Word of God together, which in those days was devoting themselves to the Apostles' teaching. In our day, the Apostles' teachings are now recorded in the Word of God, so an equivalent would be us studying the Bible together. Right? Or listening to a sermon together, whether live or in other in homes or in groups. Or going over the sermon in small groups and considering, hey, what was preached on Sunday and thinking through that sermon together. In addition, as family, not only did they eat together, pray together, study the Bible together, the God's Word together. As family, they also shared burdens together. Right, verse 45 tells us they were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, quick note, though, the biblical principle here is not to pursue communist, communism. Right? The biblical principle is, is to pursue being family. And that's the principle. So when there is a need or a burden, then family shares that burden together. Family does what it can to relieve the burdens of other people in the family. And by Acts 4, 34, we see that the early church, 
the early Christian family lived out their new gospel identity so well that Acts 4.34 tells us there was, quote, not a needy person at all among the family of God. That's how well they lived out being family. Also in John 13, 33-35, Jesus says to his disciples, little children. Right? That's, that's family language again. Right? Little children, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, my children, one family, if you have love for one another. And so all in all, because God is the one who created us, God is the one who placed us first in our physical families, then through Christ into spiritual families, it seems like our ideal picture of what family is and what family does matches both. Family eats together, prays together, studies the Bible together, shares burdens with one another. Family shares life together, which would include enjoying one another, playing together, talking with one another. And above all, and in all things, family is marked with deep, genuine, Christ-like, unconditional love. Now at this point, I hope this is clear, right? But just in case, I want to make this clear. There is no way you can live out this aspect of your identity only on Sundays. I hope that is clear. There is no way you can live out this aspect of who you are in your very gospel identity only on Sundays. Because being family in our identity, that's who we are in our day-to-day life. Day in and day out, we are one spiritual family. So the practical application, the specifics, might look different for each person, for each family, for each church. But being family includes living and sharing life together beyond just the Sunday morning service gathering. Now friend, if you're here though, and you are not yet a Christian, we are glad that you're here. And we want to invite you to join us and become part of God's spiritual family. So the question is, how can you join our family? How can you join God's family? Well, John 1, 12-13 says, But to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. I said, so how can you join ours, and how can you join God's family? Well, only through Jesus Christ. My friend, let me share with you briefly how Jesus Christ brings us into God's new spiritual family. And I think it will utterly amaze you. Remember my introduction about how often soldiers feel like family in the military? And because of that, they're willing to jump on grenades or step in the line of fire and to give up their life to save another person's life. Why? Because they are family. Remember the sacrifices that family is willing to give up for family? Well, consider this. Jesus Christ didn't die or give up his life for those who are currently part of his family. Rather, Jesus Christ dies. Jesus Christ gives up his life to death on the cross for those people who were his enemies. You see, apart from Jesus Christ... 
our identity is not son or daughter of God. Right? But apart from Jesus, our identity is son or daughter of Satan, God's enemy. Right? Our identity is one of sinner, rebel, traitor, child of wrath, enemy of God. And that's who we are. And because of that, if the holy and righteous God were perfectly fair and just, right, all of us, all of mankind, we should die for our sin. And we should suffer God's eternal wrath in hell. But, but God, because of God's love, because of God's mercy, God sent His only Son, His one and only beloved Son, to come to this earth to live the sinless and righteous life that we didn't. And then, Palm Sunday happened. Right, where Jesus voluntarily entered Jerusalem to then give up His life to death on the cross. To die as a substitute for enemies. To die as a substitute for rebels, for sinners. Jesus died bearing God's wrath against sin in our place. And then to show that Jesus' death was fully sufficient to satisfy God's wrath, God resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead three days later. So that now, any and all sinners, any and all traitors and children of wrath, enemies of God, if any of us repents, that means turns 180 degrees away from our sin, and we turn to Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone, then God forgives us. God the Father forgives us of all of our sin, and God adopts us into His new family, all because of Christ. All because of Christ dying the death we deserve, if we repent and receive Jesus by faith alone, God now treats us as His beloved, His adopted sons, His adopted daughters. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't die for his family. Jesus didn't die for his friends. Jesus didn't die for his homeboys. Jesus died for his enemies. Jesus died for his enemies to then remake us, to rebirth us into his family as children born of God. So friend, if you're here, what are you waiting for? Repent. Come to Jesus today. Now, brothers and sisters, for many of us, we must also confess, right, that living out this aspect of our new gospel identity is hard. Which brings us to the third question, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to regularly live in practical, specific, real ways as the family of God? Now, I'm sure you can think of many other reasons why it is so hard, but let me just bring up three of them. One reason why living as family of God is so hard is, I think we often forget our identity. Especially here in America. There are many other analogies, there's many other illustrations that Scripture uses to describe our life together, and many of them do not capture the intimacy and relational depth of being family. And sometimes there may be some of us who are so used to the individualistic aspects of the Christian faith that we miss or forget the corporate element that is also crucial. And so, for example, even on Sundays, right, when we come here, we're not just coming as worshipers of God. 
No, we are a family of worshipers. When we gather around the Bible, we're not just Bible study participants. We are a family seeking to know our Father better together. When we do ministry together, we're not just co-workers. Right? We're not just co-laborers at a factory seeking to produce a product or to accomplish a task. No, we are a family of servants of God. You are not just individual Christians who just happen to be members of a church that gathers in one location on Sunday. I know, you are individual Christians who have been reborn into a new corporate family. And you're united together in the blood and love of Jesus Christ. So, beloved, don't forget your identity. As a church, you are family. You are one family in your new gospel identity. But then second, the kind of family we are here on earth leads to the other two reasons why it is so hard to regularly live in practical, specific, and real ways of the family of God. Because simply put, in our daily experience, we're still a family of sinners. Right? Anybody here not a sinner? We're all still sinners. We are tempted by sin, and we all still struggle with sin. And because we personally still struggle with sin, it makes living out our new gospel identity as family really hard. Why? Because in our struggle with sin, so much of our flesh wants to put self back on the throne. Right? Our flesh so often craves independence. Right? We, want, we crave self-rule. We want to do what we want, when we want, where we want, and how we want. Right? Our flesh so often desires also to be self-sufficient. I mean, so many of us, we don't like the idea of needing other people. Right? We want to do things ourselves, to be self-sufficient in ourselves. We want to be self-made men and women. And then also we struggle with self-centeredness. And on top of that, we also struggle with selfishness. We want other people to operate and work according to our schedule, right? to our Google calendars, to operate within our desired timetable. And because so much of our struggles with sin wants to put ourself back on the throne, so many of us have this fear of commitment. Right? We are afraid of commitment because when we commit to other people who are unpredictable, we commit to other people who have needs, we begin to lose control. We lose control over our own kingdom. And that scares our sinful pride and our flesh. As I simply put, our new gospel identity as family regularly reminds us that life is not about me. I mean, let's think about even our own biological family. Right? Deciding when to do dinner, which restaurant to eat at, does not just revolve around me. Choosing what movie to watch or what to do on vacation does not just revolve around me. In addition, sharing burdens by nature is unpredictable because we don't know when trials come. So sharing burdens is definitely not about me. And the very picture of loving like Jesus is sacrificial love for others, not self-centered pursuit of love for self. So, beloved, we need to die to ourselves daily. And to fight our struggle with sin in order to increasingly live out our new gospel identity as family. 
And we also need to be prepared to live in a family where others struggle with sin as well. Which is a third reason why it is so hard to live in practical, specific, real ways as a family of God. Right? Because all of us have experienced others struggling with sin. And in particular, other people sinning against us. And so for many of us, it is really hard right, to live in an intimate, relationally deep family, I think because of fear. And so we may fear that others will expose us with their sin. We fear that maybe others are so it's like gossiping about us, about what we do. Or we may fear that others will see all the sinful junk in our lives and they're going to tell other people about our sin. And it's going to cause us to feel ashamed. We may also fear that others will reject us. They're going to turn away from us as they increasingly learn more of who we truly are with all of our heart struggles, with all of our different sins. I mean, we live in a world that is regularly trying to put up walls, right? to put on masks in order to hide who we truly are, so that others would accept us, others would love us for the image we put forward, all the while living in constant fear that someone will finally expose us. We'll show that one sin that was hiding deep in our, in our closets. And that's going to lead many people to reject us. And then still others of us may also fear not only exposure, not only rejection, but we may also fear disappointment. And we fear the disappointment that comes when we put ourselves out there. We try really hard to be intimate, relationally deep, like family. But then others don't reciprocate the same love. They don't share about their struggles. They're not intentional with us. We also feel the disappointment that comes when others may try to understand us and know us, but they mess up and they hurt, up, hurt us in the process. Like when you share a struggle with someone, and they quickly say, I know what you mean, here's what you need to do. And that quick solution that they give us shows us they never really understood what we're going through at all. In essence, at the end of the day, most of our fears with living as family, as one sinner with other sinners, most of our fear, I believe, comes when we wrongly elevate family to an idolatrous place they were never meant to be. Because, beloved, we need to realize that other members of our Christian family, they are also imperfect sinners like us. And as a family, we're to grow together in loving like Jesus and being like Jesus. But family is never meant to replace Jesus as our only rock, our joy, our hope, our only Savior. So family is family. Right? Family is not God. Family is not our Lord. Family is not our Savior. They're family of imperfect sinners. Because Jesus Christ is our only Lord. Jesus Christ is our only Savior, and Jesus Christ fully covers us. Jesus fully covers our shame. Jesus fully accepts us. Jesus fully loves us, and Jesus will never fail or disappoint us. And this brings us to our fourth and final question. Even though regularly living out our new gospel identity as family is often really hard, why is it also so worth it? It's worth it. 
Why is living as family so worth it? Let me give you at least four reasons very quickly. First, living as family is so worth it because of self-evaluation. Self-evaluation. John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Similarly, 1 John 4, 20-21 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So professing Christian, what does this mean? It seems to mean that if you're not a member of the local church you regularly attend, you may be a liar and going to hell. Let me explain that. Why? Because as 1 John 4 tells us, if you cannot commit to, if you cannot practically love a local family of Christians whom you can see, then 1 John tells us there's no proof that you genuinely love the heavenly father of the family whom you cannot see. So living out your gospel identity as family is so worth it for self-evaluation to see if you're in the family to begin with. But second, living as family is also so worth it because of family edification. Family edification. Ephesians 4 says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, Father of the family, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us, so grace was given to each family member according to the measure of Christ's gift. Why? To equip, to edify, equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's for edification, for building up of the body of Christ. Until what? Until we all, at the entire family, attains the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But as we live as a family, we get to edify the family so that our entire spiritual family can increasingly look more and more like Christ. So isn't it worth it? It's hard. Isn't it worth to live as family for our entire spiritual family to look like Jesus better? But then third, living as family is also so worth it because of world evangelization. World evangelization. We saw this in Acts 2. So after the beautiful description in Acts 2 of what family life looked like in the church, right, where day by day they joyfully lived as God's family, the end of verse 47 uses parallel language describing what God did. Okay, so in Acts 2, 47, while the, pe- while the Lord's people were living day by day as the family of God, the Lord was adding to their number, to their family, day by day, those who are being saved. So on the one hand, while it is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that actually saves people as they hear, repent, and believe, yet on the other hand, God makes a clear connection between the loving witness of his people living as his family and the salvation of souls. So God tells us that the love family has for one another powerfully draws sinners 
to want to actually receive the content of the gospel message that saves them and brings them into God's family of love. That's why uh, one pastor, Mark Dever, says, the church, the family of God, is the gospel made visible. So, so living at, at our gospel identity as family is so worth it. For self-evaluation, for family edification, for world evangelization, and lastly, it is so worth it because of Christ's exaltation. Christ's exaltation. Galatians 3, 26-28 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one. One family in Christ Jesus. So beloved, the power, the power, the love, the worth of Jesus Christ breaks down every barrier between people. The love, worth, and and power of Jesus Christ mends every possible difference between groups. Unites all peoples into one loving family. Where there's no longer any rich or poor. There's no college grad or high school dropout. There's no black or white. There's no owner, renter, or homeless. There's no age or life stage. There's no culture, there's no ethnicity, there's no lifestyle for all who have repented of their sins and put their faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Christ unites us all as sons and daughters into one spiritual family. So beloved, living out our gospel identity as family, however hard, it is so worth it. Because it is when we live out this reality, right, with an extremely countercultural love, and humanly unexplainable love for family members who are completely unlike us. That is when Jesus Christ and Christ alone gets all the glory. When Christ and Christ alone gets all the honor, all the worship, and all the exaltation, because He is the only reason why we are one family together. And so to Him alone be all the glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, thank you for adopting us into your family, all because of Christ. God, help us grow in living out our new gospel identity as family. Help us remember all the glorious reasons why it is so worth it to keep pursuing life together as a family, especially when it is hard. And God, help us preach Christ to invite more and more sinners into your family. We pray this all for the exaltation of your name. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.